0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week's episode of the Cardinal Cast. I am Lonnie Watson, high school counselor, joined always by our principal, Mr. Jerry Mack. We're going to talk about some coaching today, you guys.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I'm I'm a little hesitant. You know, it's like, how do we do this in a nice and Mm -hmm. fair, so we're not irritating too many people? We'll just see how it comes.
0: Here's the problem. I just... 't I don't lie very well so right, I'm just gonna right. I don't think I could have talked about coaching and officiating until I got out of it for perspective you to be are honest out of it. but um but yeah we're gonna talk about it it's gonna be fun speaking of fun sports news I think you should give a shout out
1: uh shout out to shattern High alum Jaden McCartney uh, University of uh, northern Colorado has qualified for the for the the big dance the volleyball oh, isn't tournament that NCAA so awesome? tournament so been following her um, through social media this year, so I'm really a big excited. fan girl. Big and they, fan they girl. They play Hawaii, um, so I mean that, that's just pretty exciting. I saw a video of the parents, you know, when the announcement was made. I saw a video of the team when the announcement oh, cool. was made. Is that's pretty exciting. Oh, so. I'm
0: gonna have to look for that. Yeah, um, I think when you make the NCAA tournament, any students you listening, you take your school counselor with you. Is what you do. <laughs> yeah. So just yeah. so you know, you put the tickets for mom, yeah, for dad, old. grandpa, grandma. School counselor, school counselor, school principal. I yeah. mean, it's only appropriate. I think I wrote a
1: letter of recommendation, so I, you know, oh, maybe does that get you on a shirt. Yep. Yeah, everyone wants to ride shirt tails of <laughs> yeah, successes <I> <laughs> like that. So,
0: <laughs> give me those coat tails. I got it.
1: We're really proud of her. She's one of our um, our very first Cardinals committed. Oh yeah, um, she was. Took two students yeah. to Lake Placid for training. That was at the beginning. That was after her freshman year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I got to do that trip, and then um, just. Outstanding leadership that we, you know, obviously you know on the court mm-hmm. um, as well, basketball and, and volleyball, but just outstanding leadership in the building. How so appropriate! I'm very proud of her.
0: How appropriate we give a sports shout out on a I day know. that we're talking about high school sports.
1: Exactly, and uh, so she's one that uh, has come to my mind when I'm kind of reading through some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just some a lot of past experiences. I know you're going to mm-hmm. be thinking about. Um, both officiating days, oh, I have we both stories you we guys. We both have experience officiating. Yep, we do. And coaching. And coaching. Yeah, so we're just kind of anxious to share some of that. Yeah. And, and some of the, you know, right now we're dealing with shortage with officials.
0: Well, and that's that's why we're doing this, just for for yeah. anyone to know why why would we want to come up here and talk about um, the the title is View from the Sidelines. The Truth on Coaching and Officiating High School Athletics. The reason, you guys, we are talking about this today is we cannot hire and keep coaches or officials. So this is like a daily mm-hmm. issue. In, and I I know it's nationwide. It has to be because our mm-hmm. kids are the best kids in the world that want to compete and, and do really well. It's a nation problem. We cannot hire enough coaches and officials. There's just not enough that want to do it and want to stay into it. And so... um. I don't know. I just want to talk about the perspective on that now that I'm outside of the coaching realm. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's the true story, Jerry, and let us it's going to be story time with Lonnie is okay. what it's going to be today. I got into teaching. Oh my gosh, my people are, oh, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill I me. I story. love you. I got into teaching to coach. In fact, my first orientation day, teacher orientation, you have to go early. I sat up and his name's Mr. Rex file. I will never forget this Rex. I think he's a superintendent of Blair schools. Now he was my assistant principal and I introduced myself. Hi, I was Lonnie Hughes at the time and I coach volleyball, basketball and teach math. And he stopped me and said, Oh no, sweetheart, you teach math and <laughs> coach. I was like, Oh yeah, I do. But I got into education to coach
1: and I have never hid from my story. My, the truth of my story is I 100% went into this profession to coach. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed all the, the, the high school athletics, um, all the different sports, and so I just wanted it to continue. And I thought, well, if I could somehow get a teaching job, and mm-hmm. I had to figure out what subject, I just wanted to coach. And so that's why I got into education mm-hmm. as well, um, Was 100% was to coach. And it wasn't until just, well, it was actually the spring of my senior year of college, I took a class. And it was the first time it dawned on me, like, well, that whole teaching thing kind of does sound interesting. You know, you could kind of shape a mind. But I remember the hardest part for me coming out of high school was trying to figure out what subject I would teach Mm -hmm. so that I could work in a high school so that I could coach.
0: Me too. Not only coach, Jerry. I was going to be the head coach. And in fact, I was going to be the head coach. And then I was going to be the athletic director.
1: That's right. I I remember you saying that once. Absolutely.
0: I I got my, I went and got my master's in administration. For those of you who don't know, um, counseling is my second master's degree and not a lot of people decide to be a master master. (laughs) So I tell them to call me Master Watson. Um, But I got my administration degree so I could be an AD because I was going to be a coach and then an AD. Yeah. And now I'm a school counselor? What I, know. God, and I love it. It's so great.
1: And I'm a high school principal. No, yep. Who wants to grow up to be a high school principal? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Everyone
0: wants to grow up to Nobody. be a high school counselor. Absolutely. Though. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, and, and you uh, were head coach for varsity mm-hmm. um, sports. I was a head coach mm-hmm. um, before I came back to Nebraska. Um, so I had those opportunities. We can you know tell some stories about that as well. But, yeah, the gist of this, so I... You know, I even just Googled this morning real quick, you know, the shortage of officiating and, and a lot of the articles are within the last month. So there's a lot of different states are, are dealing with a shortage of officials for a variety of sports, um, quite a, a variety of sports. Um, and then in our state, um, I have an, uh, an article with a lot of quotes from John Dolliver, who's with the NSAA, oversees the officials for Nebraska.
0: I taught with John at Blair. He was the head boys basketball coach when yep. I was teaching girls, yeah. And his coach wife's a, a volleyball coach. Yep. Uh,
1: we had a chance to play them in the district final. Um, in that the article, is a lot of quotes with him talking about the shortage in Nebraska mm-hmm. uh, of fish, officials for all kinds of different sports, uh, including, in the, the strange one, is football. Football is one of those sports that there's a shortage of officials. Um, and so that has been the talk in the state for the last year, mm-hmm. Um and then we can talk locally. So locally, meaning here in Shadron, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you about the shortage that we have right now. In in, in fact, basketball. Mm-hmm. We had a small association. I happened to do 15 years of officiating varsity basketball games. When I got out of coaching, while I was mm-hmm. still teaching here at Shadron High, we started our own officials association here in the community. And all over the Panhandle and South Dakota as well, that we were officiating games. And, and I was visiting with... Um, uh, one of the people I officiated with, and they said the the days of sending two crews out on the road on a Friday night are gone mm-hmm. because they're short. They're short on a, on a, basketball officials even, um, and it used to be we would send regularly send two crews on the road, you know, during the weekend or during the week, and there's just not enough even locally for mm-hmm. for two crews to come out of Shadron. So. Um, You know, parents of our athletes are going to know, you see the same faces on the court of officials over and over, and that's why. Whether you like
0: to or not. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, poor officials. Let's talk about poor officials first.
1: And then there's the coaching aspect, if Mm -hmm. we want to get into it, that you know this, and and I know this as well. We have several local coaches, phenomenal educators, that no longer coach Mm -hmm. because of it's it's hard. It's, yeah, hard. it's hard to put yourself out in front of parents.
0: It's really hard.
1: Being questioned um, during 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 the game, the contest itself, um, and it just takes its toll. Nobody, you, you know, you're doing it for the love of the game, and so when you when you feel like you've are constantly questioned and yelled at and phone calls and people over your shoulder, it just it just wears out our own local coaches as well, where they get out of the profession.
0: So I want, okay, let's, I, I have so many things to say. We, this could be two separate podcast episodes, really. Mm-hmm. The officiating and the coaching. And the coaching yeah. I think our experience goes, just the two of us um, goes both places and we could tell stories for days on those. So I want to hit the point you talked about coaching. So here's what I did is I thought of my own stories and then I asked a few of our coaches in the building who mm-hmm. are currently coaching or who are no longer coaching and here's, Here's the common thread, and I feel this way too about um, coaching. When I talk to coaches and I ask them why they're no longer coaching or why they probably won't for that much longer, it's not the competency they mention. It's not that they don't feel competent because they've Mm -hmm. been doing it for a long time or they had really good, like in in my experience, it wasn't that I didn't feel competent enough to take the head girls basketball job when it was offered to me. It Mm -hmm. was offered to me, for me, there. It's there for you. It's the emotional labor of coaching that is the exhausting part because I knew I was ready for the head job, that basketball job, when it was offered to me um, at a school that, mind you, we had won in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. four state champions. Terribly successful. Amazing. Prior to Shadron. Yeah, prior to Shadron. So for me... I call it the emotional labor of coaching that I just could not handle at that level for any longer. Um, and that's different from uh, when it, people here at Shadow know me as I was the varsity girls golf coach and we had a lot of success and we had some really amazing, it's nothing I did. It was the athletes that came through. Um, so they know me as that, but before Shadron, I coached, um, I did stints in volleyball. Um, I did basketball for the, my longest was basketball and golf. Mm-hmm. I even um, actually have a, a high school um, track championship in my office, a little nice. trophy from from another school as well. So um, wildly successful in, in mm-hmm. that amount of time. But for me and the other coaches that I talked to, it's not that they don't feel competent and capable. It is the emotional labor I think we're going to talk about more.
1: Yeah, and there's a time commitment, mm-hmm. and I know as families grow, you know, as a, someone starts out in the field in education, mm-hmm. starts out coaching, when your family starts, that was the issue I ran into. As yeah. is, is my family and my children started growing, I, you're spending so much more of your time away from your own kids and your own family that the time commitment is clearly was a big factor as well. I know.
0: So here's what I want to talk to about the time commitment. Um, what I think, um, I don't think for me. It personally wasn't. I don't think for a lot of coaches practice and game time for me, I'll be honest. It is the emails and the texting off of practice. Cause I think I could handle it with practice time. My kids are little, they're four and one, but I think practice time and game time, even though, you know, coaching golf, we'd leave at four thirty in the morning. That's a long mm-hmm. day, but I think I could have continued to handle the time. I couldn't handle what I couldn't handle is all the emotional extra time. So kids texting me in the middle of the night or at at what what color shirt we're wearing what shoes we're wearing the next day what what times practice the next day from parents text i mean jerry it is non-stop texting and i look at some of our coaches in our building and i'm gonna throw out a couple names like how many kids does mr ewing coach for cross country i can't imagine if anybody in our district asked willie ewing Honestly, how many texts he gets a day once mm-hmm. cross country season starts from parents and students? Mm-hmm. I bet it's unreal.
1: Um, track season, football. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these have a lot of a lot of athletes yep. in, in in those events or those sports. Um, yeah, and it's just so the from when I so I haven't coached in the last ten years um, since I took the principal job. I gave up my last sport was with football. Um, but when I was a head coach and was a basketball coach out of in another state. Um, texting wasn't mm-hmm. the means of communication. And so I didn't have to deal with all of that. For me, the time factor was the Saturdays. Right. Um, we would get on a bus, and it would be four and a half hours to mm-hmm. get to a conference game, and they had one gym, and you'd play what we call a four-banger, meaning JV boys, JV yep. girls, varsity girls, varsity boys, all in one gym. And then you'd get home at about between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I think about, um, like, wrestling. Wrestling is all day on Saturdays that those coaches are away from their, their mm-hmm. families. Yep. Um, you know, track meets, so track coaches is mm-hmm. one where Saturdays, basketball, Saturdays. There's just a lot of Saturdays mm-hmm. in there. And so that, that time outside of the week, of the, the normal work week, is time away from your family. And so and I, that's where the time factor, yeah. I know that's what was hardest on me was yeah. the, with the, the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's then great. the other thing that's changed in the last, you know, 20 years is the seasons just feel longer. I, I remember when uh, varsity basketball, you would it play a total so of 18 long. games in a year. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's a lot more than that. Wrestling, look at the wrestlers and how many actual matches they have in a year. versus It used to be you'd, you'd have 20, 25 wins going to the state tournament. Well, now kids have 40. Mm-hmm. You know, and I realize dual tournaments and different things has changed that a little bit, but um, just the number of matches, the number of contests, the length of the season feels longer. And then there's the off-season expectations, like, mm-hmm. You're you're paid to coach a high school sport, but you're expected to do summer camps, right? You know they don't get paid for that.
0: Well, and they want to do it because they want to win.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So if and you're really in it, kids. Yeah. yeah, And and for us, and we're in a rural part of the state, so mm-hmm. where do we go for for summer camps or summer? You know, so you do team camps and that. But if you want to like compete and scrimmage other teams, let's say basketball or softball, mm-hmm. you're traveling to Rapid City mm-hmm. at least once a week. You're traveling down to Scotts Bluff, you know, hundred miles. Just to go, you know, compete against some other players and work on your skills. And, and so that that summer expectation has really grown as well. Absolutely. And then the games roll around. Of course, one thing we're going to talk about is, is the people in the stands and mm-hmm. parents and, and just how people act during the contests. And how it's just after putting that much effort, that much work and all those things in, it just... it's it wears i think it just wears people out so i want to go back to the
0: saturdays because that actually gave me some tingles thinking about my saturdays Mm -hmm. away now because i've got a one and a four-year-old at home and you know a lot of these coaches that we have have kids too maybe not the exact Mm -hmm. same age but a little older um and i think we forget when we're in the stands watching kids or your own kids so when i travel spend all day saturday to go watch my daughter play something or my Mm -hmm. nieces. I'm with my family there. So even though I'm committing my time as a as a spectator to go watch my niece's that's like our families together. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes parents and students forget that coaches like those coaches on the sidelines, their family's in a different town, right? right. Like their kids are playing Play-Doh and Legos somewhere else. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, your whole f- crew traveled to Sydney, but you're all there together. Yeah. And that's like a family day then mm-hmm. at the ballpark. And I'll tell you what family days at the ballpark are a freaking blast. I love it. Mm-hmm. There's nobody more sportsy. No, you're not going to meet a female more sportsy than me. Like I live for it, you guys. I live for it. I love it. I'm in the weight room after school with kids. I mean, I love it. But it makes me tingle knowing what that feels like. Like I get to see kids hug their family members and then you get on the phone and text your spouse and say, what are you guys doing? You know, because right, right. they're not there with you when you're coaching. Right. Sometimes they are if it's home. But well,
1: but you can't give them attention. If, no, if if you no. get the coach's hat on, you're you're locked into the game. So it doesn't like you can give your own children yep. attention. I remember um, my son grew up as a baby being passed mm-hmm. around in the gym. You yep. know, cheerleaders would be passing him around. You know, then he's up in the you know in the student section because mm-hmm. you're just in the gym. So you know, so much of your yeah. time. Um, yeah. So for me, in my experience, it was kind of more of the the weekends mm-hmm. and and that time um, when you got a young family and, mm-hmm. and kids at home and, and that, that it's just, so then when things, you know, when it gets a little harder, or you run into, you just don't feel appreciated, um, mm-hmm. much, you know, the time you, you, you're, you're, on the court, whatever, you're not winning, you're not playing that certain player enough, whatever. And just, you can't make people happy in the stands. Your kids on the court seem to be doing okay. Just, it makes it too easy just to be, I, I'll just get
0: out. It, it does. Just get out. Well, and my story is, so I had this head head girls basketball for a very successful school and program ready mm-hmm. for me. And at that point I had coached so much freshmen and JV in middle school. Like I just been, you know, you just, it's, it's natural to want to take those bigger roles. And for me, what ended up happening is I realized really fast, a couple different things. I didn't have tough enough skin to take the constant criticism that comes with that job because it's constant. And I'm not saying it's right wrong bad good or whatever i catch myself doing it at times too since i coached like well why do they run in that play but i didn't have the a tough enough skin to do that and so i was catering to everyone's needs therefore we weren't winning as much as we probably needed to at that level like you can get by with freshman and jv of not winning as much but when you take a head job you're expected mm-hmm. there is legacy at all schools, the, and if there's not legacy, there's expected you're going to build it and develop players. And I realized real fast at for that level mm-hmm. that a sport like golf fit me a lot better because it's individualized. You know, mm-hmm. I got to coach golf and track and some of those that are individualized, and you can work on smaller in, numbers, individual development mm-hmm. that better's the team. And so I realized, and I'll just say that I I just. The criticism was too much for mm-hmm. me. I, my skin wasn't tough enough and the game moved a little bit too fast for me to make those decisions and not think. And I, I can remember in one time out thinking, making a decision on pleasing people rather than yes. making the decision yes. that I thought would yes. really win the game. And that's when I knew that that was not for me.
1: I had a couple of turning points. One was, um, my daughter was my oldest child and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden her sophomore year, we have to have this family meeting at the dinner table and there's like, she needs to talk to me and I can't figure out what this is about. And well, she didn't want to play basketball that year. Mm -hmm. I thought, that's what, that's what I do. I am the basketball (laughs) coach, you know, at that time. And I remember like, for me, it was a huge learning moment that I, I, that's how wrapped up I was that I thought that was my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one for me is, so you, you pay your dues as an assistant coach mm-hmm. is where you start. And I, I've coached all three seasons, um, in different places. I'm in Wyoming, um, at a school again, doing multiple seasons. And so I finally move up from an assistant position to the head boys basketball. Um, so I take the the head boys basketball and I remember thinking, what a relief I can finally just coach to to, to win a game. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about playing time. I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about keeping everyone on the bench happy that, you know, in essence, I guess what I'm saying is I, I really thought I can finally just play to win. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make sure that we have equal playing time. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. And right away on about the third game of the year, it's like big issues. You got that senior and a senior can't play JV. And so that senior is like, well, I got to somehow keep that senior happy and keep him And I remember just making decisions Mm -hmm. during a game to try to please uh, someone else. In this case, it was Mm -hmm. some senior kids and just how hard it was. I was was just so, so, I was so defeated in that moment as this learning moment that I still had to please people with playing time, even as a varsity head coach. And in my brain at that time, and I was pretty young at the time, but in my brain, I thought I could, wouldn't have to worry about that as a head coach for varsity. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the assistant anymore. You know, I could just play who I wanted and that still and wasn't the case. And it's hard
0: because, like, you want to, and in your mind, mm-hmm. at that moment, the reason you have an internal struggle with it is because you want to make these kids happy. Mm-hmm. You want these kids to go home and say, I had so much freaking fun today in that game. And I just wanted to win. <laughs> there's something about the nature of sports, yeah. you guys, yeah. and I talk to kids about this in my office all the time. You have to compete for spots on your own team all week long kick each other's tails and compete and bully each other around all week and then you get to play together on saturday right and and there's just something in that that like we want the kids to have so much freaking fun while they're doing it but there's going to be heartbreak through a sports season you can be the nicest coach in the world and care so much about Mm -hmm. your kids Mm -hmm. and you have to make some decisions that are is best for the team but it it will hurt a kid's feeling and you know, yep. it's coming. And like, yep. I can think of the dread of that. Like this is going to kill this kid, you yep. know, their yep. spirit in the moment, it's going to, it's going to hurt their spirit in the moment, but it's the best for the team. Yep. It's like, you're a mom for 15 kids. And so then when you get the emails and the texts from one of them, it's like, I promised you I was trying to make the best mom decision for 15 of right. my kids.
1: You know, the other thing that comes to my mind is as a coach, you're, you're trying to teach kids how to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. they got to think for themselves because they're the ones on the court, they're the one on the field that are going to have to make these decisions out Mm -hmm. there. Um, And so you just work so hard to get them to make their own decisions on the field. They don't have to question themselves. They're going to play faster if they can make their own decisions, that they got the fundamentals, they understand the basic concepts of the game or whatever sport we're doing. And then, and again, I know I'm going to offend people and so be it, but the emails, the texts, the communication is always from the parent. Mm-hmm. And the and the parents are stepping in and not allowing the kid to mm-hmm. make their own decisions on how to talk to a coach. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a playing time issue. You know, our policy here at Shattern is the player has to talk to the coach first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you, you just get stepped on. Mm-hmm. And I, it, getting stepped on breaks the very f- issue that you're trying to teach kids to mm-hmm. think for themselves, to react for themselves, to be responsible for themselves. And this con- these other emails and these texts and... Mm-hmm. From home, what time is practice? Hey, did it get changed? But and it's not even the kid asking the question. And sometimes that I can just tell you that. And I see it from the office viewpoint. I can tell you our phones. I can you know when they ring, they'll they'll ask us in the office. These and not that parents don't have the right to know or ask some of this, but it just becomes very overwhelming when the. We're talking about high school kids. Mm-hmm. They need to be a bit responsible. We have a practice schedule and we have the game. You know, of course we'll communicate any of those changes. Mm-hmm. But I'm just talking the day-to-day stuff and just the emails, the texts. I'm curious what, el- um, what else you have from um, the coaching staff that you visit with here yeah. in the building. But I can just tell you that's that's what I feel right now as an administrator. The, a lot of the frustrations that we have mm-hmm. uh, is, is I think coaches have to spend – too much effort pleasing people at home that they don't even coach
0: right right and i'll tell you what (laughs) the phone calls the texts the emails those are direct communications that i guess i can appreciate more than uh, i'll tell you what really hurts your belly is when you walk into the grocery store or the coffee shop or like so okay we we coach these sports we coach these kids and what you're gonna find if any of you have a spouse that's a coach or you are a coach yourself, or you have, even if it's wreck, you get criticized so much, or you mm-hmm. seem to, and there's mm-hmm. so much talking that you tend to start to isolate a little bit. And so that's mm-hmm. what the coaching staff and I talked a, a little bit about, um, that going to the grocery store is not fun anymore or going mm-hmm. out to eat at certain places at any place is almost not fun anymore because you don't know what conversation you're going to walk into. Yeah. Um, w- w- Monday morning quarterbacks, you guys, we're all really good Monday Mm -hmm. morning quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that that's anyone who's coached or spouses of coaches. So here's the thing too. I was thinking about it this morning. I've never had to sit on the sideline and hear people talk crap about my husband, but he has been in that spot. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a couple coaches, spouses, and I tell you what, I think I'd be more frustrated to hear somebody like you see your spouse pouring themselves into this thing. And then the constant criticism, I think sometimes I think being a spouse of a coach is even harder.
1: That's why they don't sit in the crowd.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) They're isolated even when they sit in in a gym to watch their own spouse and there, the spouse has put in all these hours during the week mm-hmm. and on the weekend and away from the family. And so you finally get, you know, to come to the game to see it and you can't sit with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pretty common. And that comes with, maybe that comes with the game, you know, I, it's part of the deal, I guess. But you got to remember, we're talking a high school. Mm-hmm. Hi, th- this isn't a recruiting game. We're yeah. not a private school. So you get the cards you're dealt with is what you have mm-hmm. to play. Um, but truthfully, you could even go back to our youth program, and I know I've done my stint of coaching the the youth groups, travel ball, CCR, the community rec. Yeah. Those coaches take their own. I mean, oh gosh, yeah. I know there's people watching this that are, that are mm-hmm. coaching young kids in, in our community, and it's that's the stuff that just gets amplified. You bet. Um, What we see at the varsity level of high school is that becomes a lot of times the last hurrah. For right. most kids, they're not going to go on and play D1 or yep. collegiate. Some do, but but the majority it doesn't. So that becomes the big you know they they people are just putting a lot of uh, effort emphasis into that the the varsity years especially mm-hmm. that senior year but Absolutely. In in, in my important. philosophy it is important. We love
0: it. we live for Mr. it. Mr. Pope you guys. and I talk about yeah. like
1: what can we give the parents? Yeah. So we we know we need to give the parents something or we would like to give the parents and so one thing we started was this the travel bags You know, we have parents show up every single week to bring goodies for the team for travel games. And sometimes it feels like it becomes a bit of a contest, you know, like the one group outdoes yeah. the next. You're, out the you're next not week,
0: like what the school counselor thinks about goodie bags. Well, but I can tell you what coaches, <laughs> what coaches
1: and stuff think. But but as a it's school a nice administrator, thing, it's I like know. something yeah. we can give the parents. Mm-hmm. Like if if that's what the parents, they come in and do hall decorations, locker yep. decorations. Oh, so awesome! And I think kids like that. They love it. And I think yep. kids like the little the. It used to be parents would come in. And it would be a candy bar, maybe a candy bar and a Gatorade, mm-hmm. and that would be the travel gift. And they'd put. Cute little notes on it. Well, now it became a full gift bag. It's
0: like a gift bag, you guys. Yeah. Like there's.
1: It's the stuff we used to get when we went to the state tournament. Right,
0: exactly. Like every <laughs>
1: kid gets their own bag of right. a, a bunch of goodies in there.
0: I will say to all listening on that, I think we need to be careful with the goodie bags because it's kind of like, here's how I well, think about banquets too. It's just like the banquets. I don't mm-hmm. love the banquets. And if I've ever coached your kid, you've heard me say this before, no one leaves happy because they're, mm-hmm. there's constant competition amongst because uh, it it's sports you have to compete against each other at some point and mm-hmm. no one not everyone or at least there's somebody who leaves with the hurt feelings and they end up in your school counselor's office <laughs> so uh-huh. and i will tell you this for all listening if anybody has ever um had this at home. I have had certain sports feel super left out by the goodie bags, like not Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. getting the same amount of goodie bag as this others and like their feelings get hurt sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, is it, is it worth it? I don't know. I'm a school counselor, though. Like, my heart bleeds. is like, oh, yeah. but that team didn't get the amazing goodie bags because that mom. The,
1: the only thing know. we predict, so I, I don't mind them at all. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we can give the parents that they, because they want to be a part of mm-hmm. this high school thing, you know. Yeah. And, and so just trying to find a way we can give What I don't want is the coaches to have to spend their energies and efforts coordinating that stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. That and so our, our
1: parents have been really good, really good about taking some of that on so that the coaches don't. But. Sometimes it's like, like T-shirt ordering.
0: Yeah, and that's exhausting.
1: We got to get certain stitching on bags. Like it. Sometimes it's just better if parents take over some of that. I just don't like it when our coaches have to coordinate a lot of the stuff for parents. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, we just want the coaches, or at least my philosophy is, I want the coaches' energy on the kids. Absolutely. You know, and scheduling Absolutely. those things and the yeah,
0: and,
1: yeah, I I don't know and. and I've, I've sat and watched my kids. I've been the coach. I've mm-hmm. been the official. It's just...
0: It's hard. You but can't
1: know, but you're never going to please everyone. You're
0: never going to please anyone. And just know, like, the ones, the coaches that are doing it, they, you guys, mm-hmm. they are there for the right reasons. They are coaching because mm-hmm. they love your kids. Yeah. They probably love your kids more than they love the mm-hmm. actual sport at this point. Um, or kids watching, they love you guys. They're trying to do best by mm-hmm. everyone. They are there because... They're like us. They're obsessed with it. We didn't do it for as long as Mm -hmm. we did because... Uh, You know, because we didn't love the sport. So, and like we said, grew up as a gym rat. I can remember some of my favorite sports stories were actually in the wrestling mats because my dad was, he was a longtime football coach. Now he's an AD. He coached wrestling for a while. Um, My grandpa actually coached up at Black Hill State for a really Mm -hmm. long time um, there when they had a wrestling program. And so the Hughes's are all known for coaches. I loved it. I got to be the knocker. Like you go up to the wrestling official and you hit the little, hit him in
1: the back with a towel.
0: My best memories are being a gym rat in the gym. And so my goal of even talking about this stuff, guys, and telling my own stories is we can't continue to lose really good people in coaching. Like Mm -hmm. we have to treat them well. The rec coaches, the college kids who are volunteering, um, the moms who are coaching and leaving their babies, the dads, like we just let's take care of them. Because the more we take care of them, the better they're going to be to our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be good to our kids when we take care of them.
1: Sometimes I judge, it's just weird. I mean, I, I went into this to coach, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm an administrator and s- sometimes now I judge coaches by number one, if they can make the sport fun, any, any coach that can make practices yeah. competitive yet fun. Um, and just that they're not going to screw up a kid. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I just want professional people that <laughs> yep. are yep. going to act professionally around kids. Like who, it's constantly about who do I want to be around my kid, my own children yep. What kind of a coach do I want around my kids? And that's kind of how I judge them. It, the weird part with me is it's I don't know like wins and losses. If, if it's not in the top three, probably anymore. Because um, I just I just want good people that can create a good influence that kids will play hard for.
0: Absolutely. And, and
1: in yep. that you know, in, I don't think we can do that all the time. I don't think any one coach can do that all the time. Uh, I think some do it. Um, pretty well, and the sports really vary too. I mean, some sports are very like wrestling is a very individualized sport. It's one student wrestling against one other student mm-hmm. um, versus some of the team sport. You know, I mean, there's there are some differences in the sports oh, as well. Oh, way but,
0: different, and, yeah, in difference on the emotional labor yeah, for sure. But
1: Lonnie, you know this for a fact, uh, just like I do, just because you know the staff. But we in in our school district have lost really good coaches. Mm-hmm. That just are, it just becomes too much. Mm -hmm. The who are really good people to have our kids Mm -hmm. around, and they're no longer coaching Mm -hmm. because of things that have nothing to do with the kids and coaching. It feels like Mm so. Anyways, it's a it's a real deal that locally we deal with. Um, But the other one I want to make sure we talk about a little bit was uh, is officiating. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a true shortage of officials for multiple sports um, in the nation and in the state. And as I found out recently, locally, there's less officials. Um, I can tell you football is an interesting one. Football, the state, it's the one sport that the state dictates the schedule. And the day, the hour, the minute that the schedule comes out, all of the ADs are on phone scheduling their officials. And so what we do and have done for a number of years is Mr. Pope will actually usually take someone with him, mm-hmm. one of our coaches, to help manage phones. Uh, the ADs and the Panhandle sit together mm-hmm. yep. in one room, usually down in Alliance. Mm-hmm. And when it's announced, when the schedule is announced mm-hmm. online, the ADs each have a set of officials on their cell phone, and they each book two games, and they pass their phones mm-hmm. to the next one, and they pass their phones because with the shortage there is, is right now, if you don't get those officials booked right away and get your schedule filled, for and by the way, that schedule comes out every two years, you book every game for two years as fast as you can, and it's all done within twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, you're you're shopping. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to find, and and you want a variety of officials. You don't want the same people mm-hmm. officiating, you know, all you the bet. time. Um, but that's that's an example. Like, there's a true shortage in basketball or football officials across the state um so anyways i was reading i know there's a shortage in softball volleyball wrestling and soccer or the other one's named uh here in the state that you know they're just trying to figure out and one of the reasons is the time uh there's more games than there used to be at all ages and levels um so it takes more people to do the officiating um and and one of them is just um there's kind of a disrespect you know uh, officials are getting yelled at or you know just every call gets questioned and you know i when I'm out here for a football game, I like to be on the visitor sideline. Um, and that so I can take videos across, you know, with our home crowd in the background. And it doesn't matter, you know, and I know this 15 years as a basketball official, varsity basketball official, when you blow your whistle, one side or the other of the court or the field is going to yell and boom. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is. Yep. But. And that's sad that they, it's come to that expectation. You just know it's going to happen versus just making a call, mm-hmm. and it's it could be the right call. And do officials ever blow the call and screw up? Absolutely, we, you know, make mistakes. But basketball, the the famous one is the block charge call. The blarge, I always called it. <laughs> Player comes in, oh, he's yeah. going to shoot his layup, and he gets maybe fouled right at the end, you know, and that that shooting. I just want an official that'll blow his whistle when there's hard contact. I just blow the whistle. Oh,
0: no. I want one that just punches it. But absolutely. I want the one that
1: <laughs> But but my point is there is no it's such a gray area yeah. call as far as whether it's offensive oh, or a absolutely. defensive foul. You just at least call the call it one way or the other right away, you know? And and anyways, it's just as soon as that whistle is blown every single time one side or the other of the court of the gym is just Big gonna old booze. oh yeah and it's like why do we have to be that way i know i know why can't oh. we just spectate
0: you see and i'm just happy on that call i'm just it's kind of like baseball i'm just happy if you're going to ring somebody out like do it with some pizzazz and style right if you're, you're going to want... throw the charge call i want you to oh yeah dance
1: out. across skip on one foot
0: you can't win i can remember and you did a lot more officiating than i ever did but when i was living down in omaha um i did the circuit of uh volleyball officiating down there and i did some class a schools and holy cow if there's any millard south or Miller north fans watching out there that that played volleyball around 2008 (laughs) you probably saw me make some of the worst calls Mm -hmm. and i can still remember those like you make Mm -hmm. it is impossible to get through a game in any sport and make feel a hundred percent confident about all the calls you make like Mm -hmm. i don't think it's possible it's probably not possible as a coach either but as an official i know it's not possible because i can remember and that's how our brain works we remember the things we screwed up yep I can remember those calls and after I blew it, or I, like maybe five minutes later, I was like, oh my gosh, that girl's not in the back row. That whoa, I really, no. that changed, you know? And, and I know it's frustrating when officials make wrong calls, but again, like, here's the positive flip, you guys. I know I've been doing this all year. The positive flip is like, it's just a game. It's just a game and that's an opportunity for students to learn. We are doing it wrong if after the game, the kids want to come home and talk about the refs. Right. We're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong as coaches, as parents, mm-hmm. as teachers, as counselors and principals. Like if that's the first thing our kids want to come home and talk about, we need to check ourselves and mm-hmm. make it a learning experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and. The point of this is to create some awareness, and, and hopefully, you know, the people who do come to watch our these different sports can just have a little understanding, and maybe just kind of hold back just a little bit when it comes to really getting on a coach or an official. But um, my big plea on this podcast is would be for officiating is to give some grace way to the young officials because right. that's who we need in the program right now with the shortage. We need more young ones, so that... The sixty-five-year-old, you know, the you know those the gray-haired of us that are out officiating, a lot of times that they don't get harped on quite so much. Number one, they're experienced mm-hmm. and they're more tactful. They just, you know, over the years developed ways on consistency on making calls and presence on there. Well, those young ones don't know all of that. They don't know, you know, they're going to make more mistakes probably than um, people that have been around and and. The young officials are, are the ones that um, were having a hard time getting into the, the profession. They're, they're, they're contracting mm-hmm. um, this out. So I just asked for some leeway on the young ones because my story, I remember as a young official when I started doing some varsity games, um, thought I was doing a pretty good job. And sure enough, just this weird shot happens before the halftime. Oh, gosh. And it, anyways, it, I won't go into the, the details of it. I don't even remember all the details. But what I remember is going in at halftime, And the parent a parent followed me into the officials room. You know, just Mm -hmm. followed to criticize. And the point I remember being in there going, I think the parent was right. You know, and I told I told the parent that. Like, I'm pretty sure I blew that call. I'm not gonna argue. It's one of those so with young officials you go in at halftime We would always carry rule books, you know, and even when we started our own association years later, you know, we would bring, we would try to put one young official on in a game with two older ones and we'd carry rule books. And then at halftime, we would talk about those different calls to help those young ones out. So there's still those teaching moments going on with officials, but man, I just remember a parent came in and was like, holy cow, I mean, you're, you're pretty fired up when you got to come in follow the officials into the locker room at halftime just to point out uh, uh, one more time you know a, a missed call and just stuff like that and um it just makes it, it it's a tough job and and the problem is we still need more people to do it it's we need more job. officials and by the way would you and guys all way. sign up to be
0: officials because yeah. we need to and like bless some of our uh rick people's hearts because Mm -hmm. i see them when i go to watch my nieces or i go Mm -hmm. to do whatever see the same crew of refs every week volunteering their time to get yelled at by fourth grade uh dads (laughs) and moms so but truthfully i think locally
1: we do a better job um like i love a rowdy student section i I love a route i'm In fact, I've created, I know I've created some issues at times because I try to encourage our kids to get a little rowdy. We have to kind of draw the line on respectful chants or those kind of things. But man, you know, I I want people to scream and yell and have fun in a positive way, you know, and and just trying to get that environment going at the same time. Like, but let's not use the loud yelling at the officials or at coaches. And if you could help with that, we'd really appreciate it. Just keep more people in the field and...
0: I still believe the power of positivity. Mm-hmm. You get back what you put out there. So if as a community, as people in, in, in leaders of kids, mm-hmm. if we are yelling or demeaning other adults, we are teaching our kids to do the same. We are teaching them how it would be impossible to have fun when you're constantly hearing criticism by the person who's supposed to be leading Mm -hmm. you or officiating you, right? Right. Like if it's supposed to be fun, let's help make it fun by being positive examples. And it's not always easy because like I said, I mean, impulsive, I'm like the queen of impulsivity. I'll yell at a ref now and again as a coach, I might've gotten a few technicals in my day. (laughs) I'm okay with that. But If more times than not, we can Mm -hmm. teach our kids positivity, they will have a better experience whether they win or lose. You guys, Mm -hmm. they don't remember like we do whether they won or lost. They remember the bus rides. They remember... Like positive things of the season. Absolutely.
1: Did you ever get a technical while coaching?
0: Of course, I did. I did too. I be a good coach if I but, didn't. <laughs> no, but I'm here's
1: kidding. what you know. Unless unless you coach or or really follow sports, you might not understand this. You get technicals on purpose. You're just oh, throwing yeah. support for your players. Absolutely. So I remember yeah. like. You would leave your bench. Remember, you'd, oh, yeah. you'd stand you, up and you're like, "I'm not coming back until I get the tea. Exactly. Just, I know Jerry, my kid I fouled. Like you I know he did wrong, but, I'm get but after I need, you hard. I need <laughs> my kid to play hard. So yeah. I want him to know I've got his back, and exactly. I'm just going to go out there and get a tea for the kid. You know? Yep. Yeah. I remember having fun with that. Oh, and,
0: absolutely. Yeah. You'd know someone like if you were ref yep. in a basketball game. And I've
1: I've yep. officiated enough too that I know when the coach is coming out yep. and why they're doing it, and by all means, I'll help him out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. I might even listen a little bit. I've had a I had one coach tell me I need to get this for the for the kid. You know, yep. nobody else knows what the 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 coach said to me. They think yep. he probably swore. You know, yep. was out there being vulgar in my ear. No, he's telling me he's you know he's just mm-hmm. defending. He needs to support his kid in this play and yeah, so that the kid can play hard afterwards. And yeah, there's, there's that fun stuff. Yep. I love sports. I love what it teaches us. I love, mm-hmm. I love it when it's not right. I wouldn't have said this at the time, but. Um, mm-hmm. And without going into details on my story, but I just remember having a really, really poor high school coach Mm -hmm. who, for whatever reason, um, didn't play me in an entire game and never told me why when I was playing the whole games. Um, And I remember I was so driven, like looking back, this single bad experience I had on a basketball court one night. Is a reason why I had a lot of successes afterwards, and a lot of successes, and got me even into the field. Um, so the strange part for me is the lessons—not always the positive. It's like thank you, sir. Sometimes yeah. the negative right. lessons that we learned outside of the classroom, you know, in these sports, ended up being very powerful and positive lessons for us outside I, later.
0: I heard a quote, and I'll just botch it here because I don't don't know, but. That there's no other arena in life that we can fail and succeed, fail and succeed so quickly, where we turn around mm-hmm. so quickly from failure to success, and because in life when you f- fail, you don't generally get to rebound to a game the next day. You right, know, in right. life we don't have that quick turnaround from successes and failures, but um, but with sports we do, and so what an opportunity to help teach kids and just how to be good people. Let me tell you from the school counselor's office, you guys quit worrying about sports scholarships kids are getting them but they're not for a lot of money anymore you guys it's like maybe for 500 dollars. we will have exceptional athletes from time to time that will get a tuition or a full Mm -hmm. scholarship those kind of things most kids who are going on to play collegiate athletics are getting offered a little bit of money to play those coaches are trying to see if they can hack it and then they'll offer them more at the college. Mm-hmm. So let let's just get that off the table that whole idea of my kid needs to get a sports scholarship because there's not enough out there for that to be an actual argument for how, you know, mm-hmm. this needs to be learning, growing, being better people. Mm-hmm. Like let's build better humans and let's do it and let's boost up our coaches so that we get the good ones to stay.
1: Right. That's the bottom line for me, is let's just keep good people around our kids mm-hmm. and um, kind of protect our program. And by the way, if you want to support our programs, join the Shadron Booster Club. Oh, they, they're amazing. This has been an active group that just gets stronger, and they just hosted an adult dodgeball tournament. Okay,
0: let's not talk about that because my team didn't win. <laughs> I but, was there but, competing hard. I'm, the I told you I was sportsy. There's no yeah. one competing harder at Do- Well, yeah. I
1: joined it. them at their last meeting just to talk about fan buses and some ideas for the future, but... It's a way to really give to the sport. You know, like I said, you know, Mr. Pope and I talk about what can we give to the parents mm-hmm. and it's the little travel bags and these kind of things and decorating halls or the little things in the commons, the little signs, you know, for each player. So we're trying to find some little things that we can give to parents in that sense or signs that they hang in the gym and all that., uh, we want to k- keep supporting that, but, uh, by supporting the Booster Club, that's where you can really make an imp- impact across the board to all—not just sports either. You can do all activities. So well,
0: and we're going to have just so you know, we're going to have another podcast where we focus a little bit more on activities rather than mm-hmm. sports because i'll tell you what the kids that really smile and compete their tails off in our building are also on the freaking speech team and one x oh yeah. my gosh mock trial and week. they are smiling and i we're gonna we don't have time to do all of it that those coaches and mm-hmm. those activities need their own podcast yep. because yep. they put in so much time on the buses Very on saturdays all the things and saturdays and Yep. i tell you what I don't see a whole lot of fans in the speech arenas when I come. If you guys want to see something awesome, come to our home speech meet. Mm-hmm. Go to the next time the one acts do a Friday night performance. Um, our musical gets like sold out because right. it's amazing too. But Speech is
1: tricky. You so need to, If you do come to a speech, what you need to do is you need to hook on to a kid yeah. and ask them where you need to be. Because every room has got something going yeah. on at once. There's like 20 yeah. different rooms rolling in. So that's the hard part of speech is trying to figure out what room you want to get in. Mm-hmm. So you need I to get
0: nervous for the kids. Yeah. When I go into the room, I start like my palms start sweating. Oh, I They're just, so good though.
1: Yeah, I just love it. Th- okay. Those are actually fun Saturdays for me. We
0: are going to have a whole podcast dedicated yep. to that. Cause I could talk for days about, about that as well, even being a sportsy person and not that, I mean, there are kids are killing it in a lot mm-hmm. of different arenas. So, right. um, Get, we're getting the conversation started on high school athletics from the sidelines, mm-hmm. um, coaching shortage. and officiating shortage. We've got lots that we were kind of all over the place. We'll probably yeah. come back for a follow-up, hit us up with any questions um, in our emails, Watson at ShatteredSchools.net, Jerry.Mac at ShatternSchools.net. We'll be back next Tuesday. See you next week. All right.